from my side, a warm welcome to each one of you tonight. Um, Shanique already introduced it. We are busy with our series, Marked by Love, in which we are looking at the life of Jesus through the book of Mark. There's four gospels, four books that share the story of the life of Jesus, and we're working through the book of Mark. Now, um, if you have missed one of the previous weeks, it is on our website, prodeo.org.za slash messages, and you can go and listen to them there. But what we're trying to figure out is, who is this Jesus? And once we can figure out who Jesus is, it means that if you want to follow Jesus, you, you have an idea. If this is the way Jesus lived, how should it impact my life? Now, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I used to have the most amazing dreams. One of my favorite dreams was that if I stood still and I concentrated hard enough on not weighing anything, I would start to float. And then I would fly like all over the city and I would fly over stadiums and all kinds of things. But you had to constantly focus that you are weightless. The moment that you remember you have weight, you go down again. So that was a very interesting dream that I loved when I was younger and I wish I could still have it. But focus is a powerful thing, right? We all know that across the world, people always speak of focus on the right things. There's even been books written about it. In fact, in 2000, a book was um, written called The Power of Focus by Jack Canfield and a couple of other guys. And this book became a bestseller, and it was all about focus. And then in 2012, more than 10 years later, they revised this book. Because they said this, they said that after 10 years, more than 10 years, the number one reason that stops people from getting what they want is a lack of focus. So the whole world is kind of in this place where they're like, if you focus on the right things, you'll get whatever you want. And over the last couple of years, there's even developed some spiritual sides to this where people have um, kind of said like, if you just focus on the right things and you kind of give it to the universe, but you keep your focus on it and you say it enough and everything, then it will just come to your side. But I was thinking, is this true? Is the number one reason that stops us from getting what we want, is it only a lack of focus? Because if you are a child somewhere in a village in India where they had a drought for, what was it, nine years? We've seen people from America, people from South Africa, from churches to go and dig wells. And if you are in one of those rural villages, you can focus on water till you are blue. But water isn't just going to appear. And in Cape Town, we kind of know what it feels like, right? Everyone was like, oh, we need rain, and day zero is on its way. And everyone was kind of like focusing on it. Still, it didn't happen. Because what I learned from this is that our number one reason why we, why we lack to get what we want is not just focus, but the direction of our focus. You see, because if you focus on the wrong things, you're going to get the wrong things. And if you th- focus on nothing, you're probably going to ne- get nothing, but it's probably better to get nothing than to get the bad stuff in life. So tonight, our fourth part of our series is called The Power of Focus. The Power of Focus. And we're going to be looking at focus, um, not just on the ability to focus, but what our focus should be on um, if we want to live um, a purposeful life. So quickly turn to someone next to you and tell them, you need to focus. You need to focus. 
So we're going to jump into the text in Mark 4, verse, from verse 35. If you've got your Bibles here, you can open to Mark 4. Our challenge still stands, okay? We are reading through the book of Mark. We did Mark 1, Mark 2, Mark 3. This week is Mark 4. So I don't want you to just show up to church and then be like, oh, that was a cool story. In Mark 4, there's actually more about the life of Jesus. We're just looking at one of the little stories right at the end of chapter 4. So what I want to challenge you is go home and this week read the whole chapter 4. You can break it down. There's a little heading for you above every story, so it's quite easy to follow. And if you've got a cell phone, I don't even know where mine is. If you've got a cell phone, you can just download the YouVersion Bible app. Oh, you've got it. I need it, please. Um, Otherwise, I don't have my Bible because my Bible is on my phone. So if you don't have a Bible, a paper Bible, that's okay because you can download it on um, YouVersion. But tonight we're going to be reading from Mark 4. Verse 35. Okay. Mark 4 from verse 35. So Jesus was preaching all over the place. He was healing people. He was driving out demons. But Jesus was, while he was on earth, the Bible says 100% God, 100% man. If you're like, Louis, that blows my mind. I know mine too. And that's the amazing thing about it because Jesus was God. He wasn't just man. If we could understand everything... It wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been God. So Jesus is both God, but also 100% man. So after all this ministry, Jesus is getting tired. And then in verse 37, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So the disciples, so the followers of Jesus, took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although some other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat, while this is happening, with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calmness. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified and they said, who is this man? Who is this Jesus? They asked each other that even the wind and the waves obey him. So in that first video at the beginning of of our sermon, you saw that last question that comes from the book of Mark. Who is this Jesus? And it is important for us to figure that out. But before we talk about who this Jesus is, the question that the disciples had after Jesus calmed the storm, I want to talk to you about the inevitability of storms in our lives. And I don't want to do it the way, if if you grew up in church, you've probably heard a sermon or two in your life about the storm and Jesus had calmed the storm. It's a favorite passage to preach. So I don't want to go about it as you normally would. I want to talk about the storm tonight in a bit of a different way. Because often when we talk about the storms, the disciples went to Jesus, they woke Jesus up and they're like, Jesus, this is the end of us, we're going to die. So when we talk about storms, we often feel like storms in our lives need to be really big things. You know, like a terminal illness or a marriage that's on the point of divorce or a financial crisis where my house is being taken away. And then there's a lot of people who go through crises like that, right? But for a lot of us, there's nothing like that in our lives at this moment. And we feel like, is this message for me then? 
Because I, I'm not facing any major issues like this. But I want you to see something tonight. A bunch of these disciples of Jesus were once fishermen. They were guys who used to take out their boats on this lake and on lakes similar to, similar to this. And they used to work through storms to catch fish as their livelihood. So these disciples, when a storm came, these weren't some inexperienced men. It's not like me deciding to get on a boat in the Cape of Storms and then a storm comes up and the boat sinks because I don't even know how to steer it. Okay, These were guys who knew how to navigate the waters. They knew when it was dangerous. They knew when it was safe. They knew how to handle a storm. And a storm came up, and I think at first they tried to navigate through it, and they pulled the lines tighter, and then the waves started crashing over the sides, and maybe they took their buckets, and they started taking the water out of the boat. But finally, it got to this point where it was out of their control. And this is an interesting thing for me, because when we talk about a storm, a storm in your life is not necessarily something that threatens your life to the point where you feel like I can't go on, where you feel like I want to commit suicide, or I wish I could die, or where you just kind of give up on relationships, or give up on marriage, or anything. That, that can definitely, that is a major storm. But that's not the only storms when we read this tonight that we want to talk about. You see, a storm is anything that steals our peace. See, often the disciples battled, when they were still fishermen, they battled storms. But they were in control. They had peace. They might run around a little bit. They might be a little bit stressed out. The adrenaline is pumping, and they get the boat ready. But they were still in control. But at this point, they lost control to, the, to this point where they lost their peace, and they started to worry. You see, when, we, when I think about, about storms in life, I think about anything that steals our ability to navigate the waters of life successfully. I think about anything can be a storm that steals, that, that makes you worry, that makes you stress, that creates anxiety. All of those things, worrying, stress, anxiety, fear, are present when we lose our peace. And if I ask you tonight, who of you are facing something in your life that fills you with anxiety? That leaves you with stress. That takes away your peace. I think we all can raise our hand tonight. The things that make you lie awake at night. The things that make you when you wake up in the morning. The things that's on your mind first because you don't know how to get through this. And this could be something simple. If you're a chartered accountant or a bookkeeper, this might be books that, that didn't balance out after, after a, a big project and you have to start again. If you're a teacher, it might be some kids in your class and you're trying to just like teach them and help them to make something of their lives, but they just don't want to listen. If you're a mom, it might be your car that has a dead battery again and you don't know how you're going to buy a new battery to get the kids to school after the holidays. It might, if you're a pastor, it might be your church not growing fast enough. This can be anything, anything that fills us with stress and anxiety and fear and takes away our peace can be a storm in our life. Don't just wait for the big things because, before you realize you're in a storm. These disciples, these men that followed Jesus, their peace was gone. And they were in a storm. And I want us tonight to look at the reaction of both the disciples, the followers of Jesus, and of Jesus. And I want us to look at the difference between these reactions and why the reaction was so different. The first reaction that we read about is of the disciples in verse 38 and verse 40 to 41. 
And basically, this is what happened. The disciples were trying to save themselves. They were trying to get the water out of the boat, but water keep pouring in. And finally, they look at Jesus, who they've seen by the way. They know who this is. So later they say, who is this man? But they know who he is. They've been following him around. Jesus has been healing people. Blind people can suddenly see. People who couldn't walk can suddenly walk. People who had leprosy, there was no hope for them for healing, are suddenly healed. Demons are driven out of people who could break chains with their bare hands. So these disciples have seen Jesus do the impossible, and they're like, Where, where's Jesus? What is he going to do now? And they look over to the back of the boat, and Jesus is sound asleep. And this is basically what they're doing. They freak out. They go to Jesus, and maybe they were shaking. They're like, Jesus, don't you care that we're dying? God, where are you in the storm in my life? Where were you when I was praying to be healed? Where were you when I lost my job? God, why didn't you listen to me when I felt like I couldn't go on? Why did you supply in my need when I felt like I just needed a little bit more and then I would be more comfortable in life? Why does it feel, God, every time that I pray like I hit the ceiling and like it's just like my prayer gone through? God, where are you when I was doubting your existence and I asked if you're alive and I didn't see anything? That's the kind of questions they were asking. But they were freaking out. And they're like, God, where are you? Because at this point in their life, they felt like they were at the end of their line. And Jesus was sleeping. Later, if you read in verse 40, after Jesus has calmed the storm, Jesus asked them, why were you afraid? Don't you have faith? And what is interesting to me is when Jesus asked that question, don't you have faith? Jesus knew they had faith. Because these men who were fishermen and tax collectors and all kinds of dudes before, they had enough faith to leave their families behind, to leave their jobs behind, to follow Jesus. These guys had enough faith because they saw that Jesus healed people. They saw the miracles of Jesus. So they had faith. If they didn't have faith, they wouldn't have followed Jesus. And you know how I definitely know they had faith? Because when they felt like they were at the end of their life, guess what they did? They didn't continue to struggle to, to rescue themselves. They went to Jesus at the back of the boat and they're like, Jesus, you're the only one who can do something about this. But Jesus asked them, where is your faith? And what is interesting to me is that Jesus uses these two words next to each other. Why do you have fear and why do you not have faith? And this is what I realized. The faith at that moment was replaced by fear. You see, because both fear and faith are powered by focus. Both fear and faith are powered by focus. And I, wanna, I want to use an illustration tonight to show this to you, to, to show you what I mean. You see, these disciples started out, and they, they didn't really know Jesus, but they saw Jesus doing miracles. And, and this glass vase that I've got here, this represents the life of the disciples, the guys who followed Jesus. And they had this stuff going on, and their lives were filled with all kinds of stuff. And then one day, a man crossed a path named Jesus, and Jesus called them. And something was so amazing, they felt the spark of faith, and they said, Jesus, we're going to follow you. And they started following Jesus, and, and one of the first things they saw was Jesus driving out demons, and these demons are like, Jesus, you're the Son of God. So they're like, what are we witnessing here? Could this be God? 
And Jesus kept healing people, and every time that they saw a miracle, Peter's own mother-in-law was sick. And every time they saw this, their hearts were filled with faith a little more and a little more. And then Jesus was preaching to people, and they were listening to this, like, whoa, this is the stuff that all these religious leaders were teaching us about, but this just makes more sense. So the life started being filled with faith more and more, and at the end of the day, this is what the lives looked like. It was filled with faith. Because they kept focusing on Jesus. Every time Jesus preached, they listened. Every time Jesus did a miracle, they looked. The focus was on Jesus. But then a storm came. You see, and what happened is the water of the way, the ocean, the waves were so big that it started pouring over the sides of this boat, over the sides of their lives. And as the water started pouring, they started to focus on the waves and the scariness of the ocean. And it just got worse and worse. And they didn't know. They tried to save themselves, but it didn't help. Fear and faith are both powered. By focus. You see, when they chose to focus on who Jesus was and on his miracles and on his power and his ability, they had faith. When they chose to take their focus away from Jesus and put it on the storms that surrounded them, it's not that all their faith necessarily disappeared, but their faith was replaced by fear. And that is often what we do in life. I want to ask you, what are you putting into your life? Because the things that you focus on, that's what you're filling your life up with. What, what are you focusing on? What are you filling your life up with? What are you feeding yourself? What are you allowing to win your focus? What storms, what crisis that you're facing at work? Or what racial issue, or what problem with the country? Or what things are going on in your life that takes your focus and he just puts it there the whole time and you think about it when you're awake and you think about it before you go to bed and you think about it when you get up at the morning and you read about it on social media and you post about it on Facebook and Instagram and you can't get enough of it. That is the stuff that you're filling your life up with. Fear and faith are powered by our focus. See, the problem with the disciples were they were sizing up their situation based on their own weakness instead of God's strength. They knew that they had fishermen on board. They knew that they were capable of managing storms. They knew they how to work a boat. They knew how to get through a crisis. And we all are like that. We are all fixers, human beings. We believe in our own ability. We believe that we can sort out our problems. We believe that if I just focus hard enough, I can sort out the problem that I'm facing. But the problem is there comes a day when the problem, when the crisis, when the storm is bigger than my own ability. And if I'm stuck in a place where I measure my crisis according to my own ability and it's bigger than my ability, guess what happens? You're at the end of your line. They measured, they sized up their situation based on their own weakness instead of God's strength. And if you ask me tonight, Louis, did these disciples, did these followers of Jesus ever do anything right? Because almost every time we hear about them, they do something stupid. I want to say yes, they did. 
In fact, they did one thing right in this whole story that we read tonight. And that is when they came to the end of their line, when the storm was bigger than they could handle, instead of trying to do it themselves or instead of bailing out, jumping overboard, they went to Jesus and they woke him up. There was a second reaction, and that was the reaction of Jesus in verse 38. Jesus gets on the boat. And they give him the best place on the boat, right behind the captain. And it wasn't necessarily a cushion that was there for his head, but there would normally be a mat that, that a person, kind of like the VIP guest on the boat, could sleep on. And it was like a, rest, a, a resting place for the head. It could be made of wood. It could be a cushion, anything. But they give Jesus that spot. And Jesus is tired. So Jesus goes to sleep. But the boat starts rocking. The thunder starts going crazy. The wind is howling. The waves start crashing over the boat. And any sane person would wake up after this, Right? It just takes my stupid cell phone alarm to wake me up in the morning, never mind like water in the face and thunder and crazy things. But Jesus is still sleeping. Was Jesus crazy? How could Jesus sleep through a storm? And I think part of the answer lies in that last part in verse 41, when these disciples say, who is this man? See, they ask who Jesus was, but Jesus knew exactly who he was. Jesus knew that he was the Son of God. Jesus knew that he was capable of calming the storm with one word that he spoke. Because when he created the world, the same waters, the same winds, he also spoke a word. He was the same God that knew while he was resting in the boat that this is not the end for him because he had to die on a cross to save us. To pay the price for our sin. So he knew that a boat that sinks isn't the end of the line for him. You see, Jesus was calm because he knew that his current circumstances didn't determine, he didn't allow his current circumstances to determine his peace. Let me tell you, that thing that's happening in your life right now that's stealing your peace, that is not your whole life. That's not the whole story. That is like one little piece of your life. That is one page in a very thick book of your life. But when we allow that one page to determine whether we're going to live with stress and anxiety and fear or whether we're going to live, if, if we allow that page to determine it, you're going to have a miserable book in front of you, ahead of you. Jesus knew that this one page couldn't determine his peace because his peace was not linked to his current circumstances. It was linked to something else. It was linked to his father. I want to tell today there's so many young people that's on antidepressants and seeing counselors and fighting to just wake up the next day because anxiety and stress is consuming our lives. Because we allow our circumstances that we're currently in to determine everything. But Jesus was also calm for a second reason, and that's he knew he had power over the storm. He knew a storm couldn't stop him, no matter how big or how small it is. And I want to tell you today that when we decide to voyage with Jesus in our boat, that voyage will be filled with peace. When we decide to include Jesus in our life, I believe that our life can be filled with peace. 
Not because all storms suddenly disappear, the storm was still there. But because when we know God, we know that the circumstances doesn't determine our peace. There's something bigger that determines our peace. My situation at work, my problem in a relationship, the issues of our country, whatever you are facing that's stealing your peace, that shouldn't determine your peace. And if you have Jesus in your life, it won't. If you allow him to give you peace. We also, when we voyage with Jesus, our journey is full of peace, not because I'm in control. Because let's be honest, when we get to that point that the disciples were in, when everything feels out of control, I can't do anything about it anyway. On my own, I can't determine the future of South Africa. On my own, I can't decide how big this church is going to be. On my own, I can do all these things. But when we have Jesus, I have peace, not because I'm in control, but because I know that He is in control. Both fear and faith are powered by your focus. So if you are here tonight and you're like, Louis, my life is filled with anxiety and fear and stress. I'm like one of these disciples and I wish I could have a a little bit of peace. I wish I can just have a bit of it. What can I do? How can I voyage with Jesus? And I want to give you four things tonight that you can do. The first is to con- just continue to explore. If you're sitting here tonight and you don't know Jesus yet, and you're just here because you're hoping to maybe meet, to maybe encounter something spiritual, or maybe encounter your Creator, I want to tell you that's okay. Just don't stop on this journey. You started something, and you're here for a reason. So continue exploring. If you already know Jesus. Don't stop because you think like, I know him and my life is okay. Continue to dig deeper in who he is. Continue to explore. But the second thing I want to tell you is, you need to at some point in your life make a decision to invite Jesus into your boat. Do not just say he's going to be in church on a Sunday or I'm going to give him like an hour on my boat on a Sunday or maybe like I will include a Wednesday when we've got community groups. You need to make a decision to say, Jesus, I'm going to invite you into my lifeboat and I'm not just going to give you a seat, I'm going to give you the best seat in the boat. I'm going to allow you to navigate. That way you have a view of everything from the back. So continue to explore, but sometime, some point in your life, make a decision to invite Him in. And then the third step is to get baptized. Christians get baptized not because we're crazy and we just want like a cold swim in the Atlantic Ocean. We get baptized because it is a sign when we decided to follow Jesus. It is a sign that He has washed away our old life and that He's given us a new life, that we, that we rose with Him from the dead figuratively for us into a new life. So if you have not been baptized yet and you follow Jesus or if you've decided to follow Jesus, Or if you want to follow him, we will have baptisms in the first weekend of September. And I want to invite you to then complete a connection card right there on your chair. And just write in the back that you want to get baptized. And we will love to journey with you and say, let's let's take that third step. But then the fourth step is really important as well. And that is keep your focus on him. 
This is where most people lose the plot. We start to explore Jesus. We give our life to Jesus. And then we think our life is just going to be all perfect. Guess what? The storms will still come. Craziness will still come. You're still going to sometimes feel stressed. You're still going to get mornings when you wake up full of anxiousness and fear. And in those moments when you feel like all of your faith is just pouring out of your life, you need to realign your focus every single day on Jesus so that you can remember your current circumstance does not determine your peace and He is in control. Storms will always be there, whether they're large or small. But so will Jesus. Even if this world ends one day, when it ends, Jesus will still be there. So what are you going to focus on tonight? But your focus will determine your faith or your fear. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that tonight we can talk about focus. And not just the blind focus where we hope for a better tomorrow or where we try harder at what we're doing, but a right focus, a focus on a Savior, a focus on a God that is bigger than our circumstances. A God that can do so much more than we can ever imagine or pray for. I want to pray for every single person here tonight, Lord, for the storms in their lives. And you know how big they are or how small they might be. But you know that they fill us with fear and anxiety and stress. And I pray, Lord, that you will come and that you will fill us so that that anxiety and that stress will just be poured out of our lives. And that we will be filled with faith. That peace will consume our lives, no matter what situation we might find ourselves in. I pray for every person here, Lord, tonight who hasn't invited you into the boat of their lives. I pray that you would keep knocking and that you would reveal yourself to them. In Jesus' name, amen.